Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about our church's Holy Week services when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 24 called The Blood of the Covenant. Now, the end of the chapter on the covenant code, the detailed laws coming from the 10 uh, big laws, if you will, was a treatment on uh, the big things like you shall not murder, you shall not steal, etc. And then everyday life experiences. How do you apply this law? And then it, it got summed up with a final warning, if you will. Make no covenant with false gods, 2332, and don't allow them to permeate into you and sin against me. Because if you, ser- if you serve their gods, false gods, they will surely be a snare to you. How many of you can say, been there, done that? <laughs> right? We, we know that there's the false gods of this world. If there's anything real behind those false gods, it's demonic. And if we delved into that, which many of us would have to admit we did at one point, they became a snare to us. And that's what God is warning against. He's saying, look, this is what will happen if you follow their ways. So chapter 24 now is ratifying the covenant or the covenant code. And this is what's happening in a ceremony uh, in terms of the teaching before us. If you look ahead just for a moment, it ends in a covenant meal. And this is how ancient covenants work. Moses 24.9 went up with Aaron. And of course, the Christian church has followed this. We do potlucks and low-fat cookies, you hope, and things like that. Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 of the elders, 70 of the elders of Israel. And notice what happened. They saw the God of Israel. That is an amazing verse. And under his feet, there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Now notice that the only thing that's described is what was under his feet. Yet the expectation was if you saw God, you would die. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel and they beheld God and they ate and drink. Now, when a covenant was made, a covenantal meal was the kind of the end point of the ceremony. Much like if you go to a wedding, you will have a ceremony and agreements have been made prior to the ceremony, hopefully in premarital counseling and then uh, between the bride and groom so they know all the expectations of going into marriage. Here's the old saying, put this in your pocket. Go into marriage with your eyes wide open. After you get married, keep them half shut. That's some great marriage advice right there. Can I get a witness? Anybody out there? Okay. (laughs) That was kind of a weak amen, but yeah. So uh, the concluding meal would be almost like the reception at a wedding. That might be the best analogy for us. First, the formal ceremony where the two, the bride and the groom, commit covenant to one another and do that in front of the covenant community, ultimately 
under God's watchful eye presiding over it. And then once it's all done, and remember the ceremony can even include the asking of a parent to give the uh, bride away. And then if anybody has any issues with you know this happening, speak now, right? So there's a, there's a communal aspect to it. And then there's the, the formal covenant between the bride and the groom as they share what we call vows one to another. So the two parties are the 74 leaders that we've just read about and the Lord. And they are entering into a covenant. And Moses recounts to the people all the words. Look at verse 3 of chapter 24. The words are Deborim. They're the, probably a reference here to the 10 words of the 10 commandments. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17 of the Lord. They come from the Lord. And all the ordinances. That's Mishpatim. That's Exodus 21, 1 through 23, 33. That's the the more everyday laws. So if you're taking notes, the words are probably the Ten Commandments. The ordinances or rules or laws are the everyday life kind of stuff. And all the people answered with one voice. So Moses comes to them. He recounts all that he got from the Lord. And he recounts it to the people. And the people said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will, we do. Great enthusiasm, covenant uh, pictures here. The people that agreed to do them all. How did they do? <laughs> and that's the good, right? One writer says their enthusiasm is commendable. Their intention is undeniable. Alas, it will not be too long. In fact, chapter 32, until we hear these same people saying, all that the Lord has said not to do, we will do. <laughs> and all God's people said, ouch, right? Because they made a declaration. They made an oath. And what's happening to think about this in covenantal pictures is the first thing that happens with a covenant is the terms are laid out, uh, verbalized, if you will, so that there is agreement on them. So what happened is Moses comes down, he says, these are the Ten Commandments, and these are the rest of the laws. And he goes through them, he speaks them orally to the people. And the people are, yeah, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it, great. And, of course, they, they didn't keep the covenant. Uh, if one is tr- to truly keep the covenant, the expectation is that you keep all of it not part of it. Uh, This doesn't work by percentages. The people, God was not looking for the people to say, we'll keep 51% of the time the laws. James 2.10 puts it this way. If you fail in one part of the law, you're guilty of what? All of it. Because the covenant itself is based upon two summation Uh, laws. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the moment that you would break one part of the covenant, the law, you would be guilty of the essence of all of it. Because you'd be saying to God, I don't love you enough to keep your law, and I don't love my neighbor enough to keep my hands off his stuff or his wife or whatever it might be. 
and thus the covenant is broken. So Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, verse 4. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. Come back to that in a second. I want you to notice that first the law is verbalized. Here's what God has said. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the laws and the ordinances of living out everyday life. You agree? Yes. Okay, now that we're in agreement, now they're written down. Because they're agreed upon first, then written down next, again, in covenantal order. This is the way the order would work. I had mentioned to you when we studied uh, chapter 19, the idea of a ketubah in uh, Jewish culture. It's literally a marriage contract. And that is that the uh, responsibilities of the groom and the bride are agreed upon by the two families and then written down uh, in a contract form, if you will. That's what's happening here. First, they're verbalized. Then Moses writes them down. This is a sub-point, but this is something to write down. This proves Mosaic authorship of what we call the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of Moses. This at least tells us and shows us the record when Moses wrote Exodus chapters 20 through 23. He wrote them down, you know, from the Lord. Exactly what the Lord said, we will do it. And then he wrote it down. This was captured as the word of God. And uh, we would submit to anyone who has a question about this that we have good authority that Moses wrote the first five books. This is a section that gives you one kind of, uh, you know, view of that where he actually writes down Exodus. And some people would say, here's Exodus 19 through 23. Moses writes it down. Remember, he had uh, a great education in Egypt, great learning, etc. And so uh, this affirms his authorship. And uh, then here's what he does. He builds an altar at the foot of the mountain. You'll see this happen all over your Bible, just in rapid fire. Noah built an altar in Genesis 8.20 after he got off the ark. Abram built altars in Genesis 12 and 13. Isaac built an altar in Genesis 26. Jacob built an altar. We studied this on the drink offering in Genesis 35, verse 7. Wherever you see worship of the Lord happening, an altar is built. Now, behind me, you have an image of an altar. This is probably, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't this well uh, chiseled out, if you will. It may have just been a, a boulder or something like that. But um, this is basically what would happen is an altar would get built. And what's an altar for? It's really for one thing, Sacrifice. It's, it's literally an altar. A definition of an altar is a place of slaughter. So when an altar is built, it implies a sacrifice. And here's how this all fits together. Without a sacrifice, we can't draw near to God. Why? Because we're sinful people. Because we break his law, not just in our outward action, but in our motives, what we fail to do. Um, in our hearts, right? And so the need for a sacrifice emerges in the picture of the covenant. So he builds the altar and then he does something else. There are 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. You could say it this way. 
The two parties are represented. The altar represents God, and the 12 pillars represent the nation of Israel. Amen? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Resurrection Sunday is almost here. Moving through the book of Matthew, talking about the kingdom of God and anxiety and how to overcome it in the words of Jesus. Pastor Michael Lance has invited you to celebrate Easter at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Early risers can come to the first service at 6 a.m. Just bring a chair and a blanket, maybe a carafe of coffee or whatever you need, and we'll be celebrating the Lord early in the morning as the sun comes up. Visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship on Easter Sunday for the 6 a.m. sunrise service, the 8.30 service, 10.30 service, or for the Spanish-speaking service at 1 p.m. Remember, you can always tune into our YouTube channel If you are not available to join us live or locally, we have a YouTube channel and you can get to it at walkintruth.com. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Download the Living Truth app for more information or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's the Living Truth app or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You could say it this way. The two parties are represented. The altar represents God, and the 12 pillars represent the nation of Israel. Amen? We're going to see the 12 pillars uh, in Revelation 21, or they're on the gates, I think, is the way it reads. So there's uh, a promise to the 12 tribes that carries all the way to Revelation 21, which is interesting when you think about um, God's plan for Israel in the future, because you know that there's a debate uh, in terms of will God work again in national Israel? Well, the 12 tribes are showing up in Revelation 21. So that's just something to chew on. Jesus made reference to the law and talked about that the smallest letter or stroke would not pass away from the law until all is accomplished, Matthew 5, 18. And so the altar is set up, the 12 pillars representing the tribes, the two parties of the covenant symbolized here. And Moses sent young men, verse 5, of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings. So now here's your sacrifice. And sacrificed young bulls as peace or fellowship offerings to the Lord. These young men probably working under the uh, supervision of Aaron and Moses and maybe even Aaron's sons uh, get animals together and they begin to sacrifice. And Moses took half the blood. I know this is kind of gross, but this is the way it worked. Moses took half the blood and put it in basins or large bowls. The other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Now, in the ancient world, when you made a covenant with another party, what would happen is animals would be actually cut in half. And there would be a ceremony, and this, uh, many of you remember in Genesis 15, this is what happens with Abram and the Lord. Abram is instructed to cut animals in half. He lays them out, and then he watches as the Lord passes through the animal parts. And you may say, well, what does that mean? What does the passing through cut animals represent? What it means is this. If I don't keep my end of the covenant, 
may what happened to these animals happen to me, is what's being said. And in Genesis 15, the only one that passes through the animal parts is God. Abraham just watches. Why? What's the picture? God made an unconditional covenant with Abram. And that meant that the covenant was wholly dependent upon the Lord. In fact, in that same chapter, it says these famous words. Abraham believed in the Lord and it, his belief, was reckoned to him as righteousness. What does that mean? It simply means that when you believe in the Lord, a foreign righteousness, not of your own, not of your own performance, gets placed into your account by faith. Abram, or Abraham, was saved the same way before the cross as we are saved after the cross. Amen? Amen. Abram believed in the Lord and that belief was credited to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15, 6. And then the picture becomes even more clear because only God passes through the animal parts saying, I'm going to keep my covenant. I will be true to my promises. It's impossible for God to lie. Or as we studied Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you, he will complete it to the day of Christ. Now, notice the order. The first of the sprinkling happens on the altar, representing God, if you will. Um, So first, everything starts with God. Amen? (laughs) I mean, we're all here tonight, and I will tell you this, that uh, wherever you stand on what part you play in saving faith, I'll, I'll put that aside for a second. You all know that God is the great pursuer of sinners, right? He seeks to save the lost. He, he pursued us, knocked on our door, rattled the cage, shook the bushes, however you want to say it. And finally, we're like, okay, Lord, right? I surrender. Well, it starts with the altar, the place of sacrifice. It, it represents in some way God, and that's where it always starts. Then he took the book of the covenant. So first, he... Uh, puts a sprinkling of the blood on the altar, verse 6, end of the verse. Half the blood he sprinkles on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant. This is probably um, the covenant code from Genesis, uh, Exodus 21.1 to the end of 23. It could incorporate the whole thing. He took the book where it was written down and read it in the hearing of the people. Now you might say, this sounds familiar. Didn't they just hear? Didn't he just recount what he heard, and they said, yeah, 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 we, we do, we will, we will. Uh, yes, that's what happened. But now it's written down because first it had to be verbally agreed upon. Again, covenant language. Then it was written down and read again. How many of you believe in repetition is the key to learning? <laughs> I mean, we, we study the word of God, right? Uh, a lot of you have studied th- this passage before, and we study books of the Bible, and we're like, well, haven't you? You know, you ask somebody about the Bible, and they, they're like, yeah, I read it. You read it? What do you mean you, you, you read it? The Bible's alive, man. Amen? Yeah. And we need to continue to get the Word of God deep into our hearts. So he read it in the hearing of the people. Now here's the formal reading of the covenant after it was agreed upon. All that the Lord has spoken, what do they say? We will do it. 
We will be obedient. Sometimes when I'm doing a wedding, I kind of want to slow people down at the altar just a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, when, when someone's going to be married, uh, it is such a incredibly built up day. It's hard to slow a groom and a bride down. And I try to tell them, all right, just try to drink in the moments and don't rush through your vows and slow it down and downshift a little bit. Don't be, yeah. I remember when Brenda and I were up there, I tried to kiss her before the, the kiss was supposed to happen. And the preacher shut me down. Oh, no, 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 no. And he was right to do so. I was out of order. So this may help you kind of get the order. This is what I'll often say. Will you have this woman to be your wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance and the holy estate of matrimony? Will you love her, comfort her, honor her, keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto her so long as you both shall live? And he says, I will. I say the same to her. And then we do a formal vow. I so-and-so take thee so-and-so to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. And then we go through the formal vow. Are you with me? First, I speak kind of a verbal agreement and then we do the formal vow. That's where you could say the marriage is sealed in, in the exchanging of vows and rings. Amen? Symbols, but very important symbols. You've been listening to The Blood of the Covenant, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 24, 1-8. Now, you're invited to our Holy Week services this week. Pastor Michael is the Senior Pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Pastor Michael hopes you attend your church's services, but if for some reason you are not able to attend, we're live-streaming our Good Friday service at 6 p.m. Pacific Time and our Easter Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. We like to call it Resurrection Sunday. But anyway, get all the information you need by visiting walkintruth.com and click on Church. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com and click on Church. Now here's Pastor Michael with a word before we go. Well, sometimes when we look at the animal sacrifices in the Bible, specifically in the Old Covenant or the ceremonial uh, system of Israel, and uh, I'm sure of other nations as well, but let's specifically talk about the sacrificial system laid out in the Old Covenant. And we can think about, for example, the book of Leviticus. And there's so much. I remember one brother in the Lord telling me, blood, you know, you preached about the blood. There was blood everywhere. <laughs> and what he meant was when we were, we were talking about the nothing but the blood of Christ saving us, it's kind of like for some people, it's both gross. And then it brings up questions about animals like well, aren't we supposed to take care of animals? And why does an animal have to die? Well, animals died as a uh, way for a temporary covering, you could say, or a symbolic way of covering our sin, but, but they could never fully be a sufficient sacrifice. It just hap- had to happen over and over and over again. And of course, you know, some people have issues with this, but I will say that uh, humans are made in the image of God, not animals, as much as I know many of us are animal lovers. 
And uh, these sacrifices often became meals. They were barbecued and they were partaken of. So there was that additional element. But I would say this, the, the stark reminder is that something has to die for me to be forgiven. And when you think about the week leading up to Jesus's death on the cross, there was a day we, we normally say it lands on Palm Sunday called Lamb Selection Day. That was the day that Israel took a lamb into their house and kept it all week. And it, it would become even harder to take that lamb's life when you had it in your house all week. You know, oftentimes we, we become, you know, uh, attached to the animal and maybe that presses the image even further. Uh, how how precious forgiveness is and how much we need it. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are moving through the book of Exodus. So glad you are joining us here on Walk in Truth. If you're new to the broadcast, uh, we love to present the Bible and love to go deep and love to dive into Old and New Testament books. Hey, if you want to know more about the local church behind Walk in Truth, if you go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab, you can find out more about the church in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. You can find out more about where we broadcast and how you might partner with us as well. It's all available at walkintruth.com. I'm so glad you're listening. If we can pray for you, reach out to us anytime. Same website, walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 24, 1 through 8, called The Blood of the Covenant. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.